Well, good evening, people of Mosaic. If you are making your way in, we wanna invite you in. Come on in and find a seat. Grab your coffee, make yourself comfortable. Would you stand and worship with us tonight as we sing about King Jesus? with me who breaks who breaks the power of sin and darkness whose love is mighty and so much stronger the king of glory the king above all kings holy thunder who shakes the holy with holy thunder who leaves his breath Let's see. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be Saturday to you. 
I don't know if anyone else got to enjoy the weather today, but being outside had me fully commit to short sleeve season. So I apologize to you and to our live stream audience if there is any glare happening. It is what it is. Um, hey, my name is Ashley. Uh, I get to work on the communications team here with Fellowship Mosaic, and I've got a few things to run through with you before we jump back into worship. So first thing is, if this is your first time, we'd love to connect with you. Um, you'll see on the screen behind me a number to text if you're comfortable with that. If you're more comfortable talking with someone face-to-face, -face, we'd love to point you to the info booth after this service, or just grab anyone who looks friendly. Hopefully that's most everybody, uh, and let them know who you are. We're glad that you're here. Um, next thing is, as we are sprinting to the finish, that is the rest of this semester, we will have a parent-child dedication coming up. So if you have a, a child that has not been dedicated um, and you would love more information on that, um, we would love to have you connect with Jen Kanak. Uh, her info is right up there, and we'd love to walk you through what that process looks like for us. We're very family-centric, um, and we'd love to, oh, excuse me, we'd love to uh, tell you more about that. Okay. Next thing is tomorrow is Palm Sunday, which also feels insane with how quickly spring break felt like it was yesterday. Um, but we do have some resources for you. So if you scan that QR code, um, that will take you to not only the Easter service times that we're going to be having, um, but you can subscribe to the Holy Week devos that our staff has put out. Um, those will be sent to your inbox directly. Um, and it's a great thing for us to walk through together um, with a community group. So we'd love to let you know that we have those. Last thing, we've been talking about our disaster relief fund for probably over a month now. Um, it's still open, and I wanted to give you a little bit of an update on some of the things that we've got going on. So last week, Mickey mentioned uh, a family who we were able to help relocate to Canada, I believe. Um, a mom and her kids while her husband stays back in Ukraine. Just wanted to list a few other things that we've been able to be a part of. Um, so through the generosity of our body, we've been able to give to two ministries that are setting up refugee camps in Romania, uh, a ministry that is helping get deaf people out of Ukraine and give them basic needs, um, giving to a ministry that is helping rescue kids out of an orphanage and uh, kids who have just aged out of the system that would otherwise not have um, some of those resources and then giving to a ministry in Portugal that is already receiving refugees and helping them get established. So um, I don't know about you guys, but the recent tornado in Springdale kind of put this in a different perspective for me. We were so grateful in Northwest Arkansas to have minimal damage uh, and injury compared to what our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine are dealing with. Um, but it gave me a, a different vision of some of the tangible ways that we've been able to help. So with the Springdale Relief, um, the way that's going to look is a bit more personal basis. So the funds that we receive are gonna be able to help families who aren't gonna be able to access any help from insurance or things like that. So um, last week we were able to help a family put some new windows on their house. And um, it may seem like a really small thing to us, um, I know it doesn't feel like a small thing to them. It certainly doesn't feel like a small thing to a family in Ukraine. Um, but yeah, just wanted to continue to let you know that that's an option and available if, if you feel led to give. Um, one thing we would ask for all of you is that you continue to pray. So that's what I'm gonna do now before we jump back into worship. Lord, thank you so much uh, for tonight. And thank you for bringing um, this family together uh, under the banner of your name to worship you. Um, God, as we continue through this I Am series, um, we hear words that we're maybe familiar with or um, recognize often as, as things that we can attribute to you. But God, I pray that um, they become more than that. They become ways that we can trust you and trust your character. Um, and God, we ask that for our family in Ukraine, for our community and our neighbors in Springdale, um, that these truths about you become their reality um, and that we can play a part in that. We're just so humbled and grateful. Um, thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you for your son. We love you. You're in pray. Amen. Church, would you stand and worship with us tonight? I just want to bring our attention to these words that we're going to see. God is the giver of life, of love. He's the hope. 
we find in our darkness. So in light of Palm and what that means for us as believers, would you just process these words that we're seeing? Don't let them fly by. Don't let them come in in one ear and out the other, but would you just ask the Spirit to let them soak into your soul tonight? Would you sing this with me, the giver of life?
Um, so one of my favorite, favorite things about uh, being a part of this body is that, yes, this is a place where um, I and all of us can come to uh, pour out our adoration to the Lord and to receive from Him. Um, but just like we just sang, this is a place that um, I have been challenged as well in, hey, the Lord's breath is in my lungs. The gifts that he has given me are not just for, for my benefit, but to be a blessing to others. Um, and so whether he has uh, called it on your heart tonight to give in this way, this is one of many ways that we have to pour out our gifts. And, 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 and the gifts that we can give during the offering is just one of many types of gifts that we, we have. And so um, whether he's called you or, or for that tonight or whether you're giving in other ways or, or whatever that looks like, um, would you just pray this with me? Uh, whether you yourself are uh, putting something physically in there tonight or not, let's just all pray this together that the gifts that are given this evening or throughout the week would be used for his glory and for the restoration of the world around us. Say this with me. Oh, Father giver of all. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. We ask you to accept these gifts and use them to your glory. May they bring shelter to the homeless, comfort to the sick, rest to the weary, and hope to the hopeless. As you multiplied the offering of fish and loaves, multiply these to accomplish more than we can ask or imagine. We give freely and not under compulsion, for all we have is yours, Lord. Nothing we can give could match your great gift to us, your Son and your Spirit. Amen. my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me I see his wounds his hands his feet my savior on that cursed tree body bowed and drenched in tears they laid him down in Joseph's tomb the entrance by heavy storm Messiah still and all alone sing us out Blazing sun shall peer. 
gaze transfixed on Jesus' face. Just take a moment to be with Jesus and focus on the cross. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is, is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and, and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. And the people say, this is the word of the Lord. You may take a seat. And as you think about the metaphors that were to describe humanity throughout Scripture, some that come to mind, maybe God is a father, us as children. That's a good one, right? All across. Beautiful, beautiful image. A 
that we have a nurturing parent in our God and we as sons and daughters of him. Or, or from the very first chapter of the Bible, that our God is, is a ruler, a creator, and he invites us to be image bearers, co-rulers with him in this life and in this world. How about a sheep? Like, you ever play that game, Would You Rather? My, me and my kids play it all the time. Would you rather do this or would you rather be that? And I guarantee you, if we were to take a second and turn to our neighbors and say, hey, would you rather be a sheep or fill in the blank? You're probably gonna go with fill in the blank, right? There's, a, there's actually a, a, a pastor, and a, before he served as a pastor, he was a, a shepherd of sheep over in Scotland. His name is Douglas Macmillan, not Doug McMillan, so please don't get the two mixed up, my Walmart friends. But Doug said this, as, as he stepped into shepherding and caring uh, for a flock of God's people coming out of the pasture of shepherding for sheep, he said this, a few things that you should note about sheep. First, they're stubborn, stupid, and fearful. They want their own way, and without guidance, the basic habit of a sheep is to wander and go astray. They're very stubborn animals, and they desire instant gratification. They always think that the grass is greener and tastier somewhere besides where their feet are standing, so they wonder. First, sheep, they're stubborn and fearful. Second, he says that, that sheep are, are very social animals, that they actually are, are, are meant to be, they have a herding instinct. And when one goes astray, there's actually something very wrong with that sheep from a neurological standpoint, because sheep are meant to be in a herd. And it's acting out of character. He says a sheep without a flock, 99% of the time will not survive. It's actually funny. If you Google sheep that have made it outside the flock, you'll get this really funny picture of one that comes back and it is like a bush. It doesn't even look like a sheep. And the, the shepherds that got that, that one sheep, they actually began to shave it. And as they got down to the roots, they found all sorts of things, which leads to Doug's last point. The third, sheep long for authority, care, and guidance. They need constant provision, food, pasture, hygiene, and they need constant protection from parasites and predators. For a shepherd, Douglas says, a sick, smelly, uncared for sheep is one of the most foul creatures on God's green earth. And behold, how the scriptures describe you and I. See, it's, it's a dominant metaphor throughout the scripture that we are sheep, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his or her own way. And you ask the average American, what kind of what animal represents you, right? What are we gonna get? What's on the American flag? What, what do we hope for? The eagle, right? The predator coming in strong, ready to devour and conquer. And so we gotta do some work as Westerners, as, as Americans here, to understand that there's something even insulting to the fact that it's calling us dependent, smelly sheep. See, this motif is actually all across the scripture. And throughout it, the, the sheep always represent either God's people or humanity at large. And a few things to note. Uh, one is that they're prone to wonder. Uh, they're always looking for pasture somewhere other than where they are, and so they're in constant need of a shepherd to bring it in. Next is that they do not thrive in isolation, that without a herd, a sheep will not last, it will not flourish. Lastly is that they require leadership. Not only do they long for it, it is necessary for their survival. And the shepherds throughout the scriptures represent God, leaders of God's people, humanity. And so whether that is uh, in the family, we have a, a system, a structure that God has established, an authority structure of grandparents and guardians and parents who are to care and to tend, or whether that's in the, the civil world, politics, that you would have leaders, you would have kings and queens and leaders and government officials that are meant to care for and tend to God's people and the church. You would have pastors, elders, those who would shepherd God's flock, the three ways that God has established shepherding systems in our world, all of which are meant to gather lost sheep. Now, when sheep either have gone astray or are outside the fold, it is the job of the shepherd to bring them back in. 
Next is that they are to protect from danger. Sheep are defenseless animals. They cannot fend off predators without the help of a shepherd. And lastly is that, I love this, shepherds lead from the front. Um, different from ranchers or cattle, which I know we have a few of you in the room and you got the he and the ha and you got the rope. The, the shepherd leads from the front with his voice that he calls to the sheep and they follow. And you and I have two problems in this world. One, we're like sheep. That, that we're sheep who, who go astray and wander and we need, we require care. Secondly, is that we need, we need good shepherds. We need leaders who can lead us and show us the way and to bring us back into safe pasture. And there's a leadership crisis in this world, isn't there? Which is true for every generation. See, the prophets speak a lot about this, this leadership crisis in the shepherds of Israel. You can go to Jeremiah or Isaiah or Ezekiel in particular. Ezekiel says this, In Ezekiel 34, verse two, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Leaders that God has established to care for his people have done something wrong to the point now that Ezekiel is to go and to say, this is what the sovereign Lord says, woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? And just listen, as, as I didn't put the rest of the passage on the screen, but listen to, to what God is condemning in these, these shepherds, these leaders, both civil and religious, within Israel. You drink the milk, wear their wool, and butcher them for your own gain while you let your, stock, or your flock starve. You have not taken care of the weak. You have not tended to the sick or bound up the injured. You have not gone looking for those who have wandered away and are lost. Instead, you have ruled them with harshness and cruelty. So my sheep have been scattered without a shepherd, easy prey for a wild animal. Therefore, you shepherds, as surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, you abandoned my flock, left them to be attacked. And though you were my shepherds, you did not search for my sheep when they were lost. You only took care of yourself and left my sheep to starve a leadership crisis within the people of Israel. Todd uh, Bosslinger, he's a a guru and an expert when it comes to leadership, whether it's in the the CEO world or in, in Christian leadership. And he says that in our day and age, this was in 2020, there's two consistent ditches that leaders could fall into in this world. He says that the first danger a leader could fall into in leading people or shepherding people is a failure of nerve. That is that they lead out of fear and despair and either begin to avoid their people that they're called to lead or fail so much that they are no longer distinguished as the leader. They've they've given in. This is Aaron at Mount Sinai, if you're familiar with the Exodus story. That God's people, Moses, up on the mountain meeting with God, with the law, and, and the people get kind of anxious and frustrated and they come to Aaron and say, we don't know where he is. We want a God. And Aaron has a failure of nerve and fear and anxiety. He gives in and says, why don't you give me everything, all the gold we got from Egypt in reparation? And he builds a calf and says, behold, here is your God that led you out of Egypt. A failure of nerve. Secondly, what Bosslinger says is there's also not only a failure of nerve that you become anxious and and no longer can speak a truth to your people. Next is a failure of heart. A leader who has dominated, abused, who has no passion or compassion or tenderness for those that they care, so they become authoritarian. And it leads to a lack of love like Manasseh, King Manasseh in the Old Testament, one of the most wicked, evil kings in Israel who leads the Israelites to sacrifice their children to a pagan god with an iron rod. A failure of nerve, a failure of heart. And Israel is living under the shepherding care of these leaders who are experiencing both. And Israel has a problem. They are sheep in need of a shepherd. And they have shepherds who cannot seem to pull it together and lead them to safe pasture. But God has a solution. Ezekiel continues. 
For this is what the sovereign Lord says, that I myself will search out for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock and he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays, bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. The solution to this problem is that God himself steps in and promises that I will be the shepherd. And so we turn to Jesus in John chapter 10. If you have a Bible, it's on the screen, but I would invite you, please open it if you have, or if you have your John booklet, uh, page 32, for you to take notes and hopefully teach this to others. And uh, a little bit of context, if you were to read just before John chapter 10, you would be in John chapter nine, where Jesus has just healed a blind man. And so we have a blind man and there's a question, hey, Jesus, was this man born blind? What was it, his sin or someone else's sin, his parents' sin? And Jesus steps in and beautifully shows them, do not take what God has meant for glory and good in this world and give credit to the enemy. And he heals him. And then the, the Pharisee, the shepherds of Israel, those who are to tend and to care for God's people are all up in arms because Jesus just healed this man on the Sabbath. Everyone gasp. <gasps> this is totally against the Pharisees' way of ruling. This is against their shepherding. And so they become frustrated with this man and they bring him in and they bring in his family and they begin to accuse and to dominate him and to embarrass him and to shame him so much so that they kick him out of the temple. A leader God has established to care for the people, kicking a blind man, now healed, out of the presence where God was meant to be. And Jesus circles back around and he comes to these Pharisees and he says, you are spiritually blind. You shepherds of Israel, I have come. And Jesus says that I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. For the hired hand, the, the under shepherd, is not, uh, uh, is, not the, uh, is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So here's Jesus speaking to these religious leaders, these shepherds of Israel who are meant to tend and to care. And he says, I am the good shepherd. What, what Ezekiel prophesied, where God would step in and be the shepherd, I as the God man in him. That, that the faithful presence of the shepherd, that, that God is with us, Emmanuel, well, that this, this good shepherd is not going to run or to hide when trouble comes for the flock. No, he's going to remain present and near with them. Why? Because he owns them. They belong to him. That God is with us and, and that he dwells with his people. So as you get to Psalm 23, where David speaks of God as a shepherd and we as sheep in verse four, that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I have nothing to fear because the good shepherd is with me. Paul Miller says it like this, that, that God takes everyone he loves through a desert. And maybe you're in a, a place as a sheep where the pasture's really green right now and it seems like things are going well. Good, God's led you there. Or maybe it seems like things are falling apart at the seams and the marriage isn't gonna make it or I, the finances aren't gonna come through or, or I don't know if I can handle this anxiety or whatever it is. And it feels a little more like a desert than a green pasture right now. Paul Miller says that God takes everyone he loves through a desert. It is, it is his cure for our wandering hearts. Restlessly searching for a new Eden. The best gift of the desert is the presence of the shepherd himself. That he's with us in that place. The protective love of the shepherd gives me courage to face the journey. The good shepherd, Jesus, he is a faithful, consistent presence for his sheep. Not only that, that the good shepherd provides an intimate knowledge. Look at what Jesus says in verse 14. He says, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Uh, this term know here is the, the Greek term uh, gnosko. 
And it is not just a, a head knowledge. It's not just an, uh, uh, I've learned something. No, it's actually an experiential and ongoing. It is a intimate knowing of somebody. So much so that this is a, a Hebrew idiom for intercourse. So one of the most uh, intimate, affectionate ways that we can know someone in this life. That's what this term gnosko, to know, entails. That Jesus knows his sheep. In verse three, it says that he calls them by name. Hey, take a moment. Do you know Jesus is, is calling you by name tonight? And the sheep know his voice. Douglas uh, shares in the same story where he described how the, the, the three things that are difficult about shepherding sheep. He then goes on to, to tell later that when he stepped into the pastorate, into ministry, he one day went back to the same sheep that he was shepherding. And six years after not being with them, they still would follow his voice. There's an intimate, a deep, growing knowledge between the shepherd and the sheep. That the psalmist would write that he knows you in your innermost place before you were even born. But Jesus, the only time he defines eternal life in the gospel of John, he says it like this in John 17, that this is eternal life that they may, gnosko, know the Father and the Son who he has sent. That eternal life for Jesus is not just something that, that speaks of the qual, a quantity of our life, how long we live. It speaks of the quality of our life here and now and living a life with the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd provides a faithful presence. He provides intimate knowledge of his sheep and next his sacrificial love for Jesus continues in verse 15. For just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. This is the sacrificial leadership. John has already told us in this gospel that the reason that God sent his son was to die was because of his love. For God so loved the cosmos, the world, you and me, that the shepherd the good shepherd has come to take away our sin and the sins of the world. And this is an otherworldly type of leadership, isn't it? This is not a shepherd who's all about self-preservation or give me more power or more platform or more influence. The good shepherd is one who lays down his life for the sheep. He cares for them. And lastly, the good shepherd is not only faithfully present with us, the good shepherd is not only intimate in knowledge of us, not only does he lay down sacrificial love, he is very inclusive in his invitation. For Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen and I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Now Jesus is talking to a Jewish context who would have been very familiar with, okay, yeah, you're saying we are the sheep, you are the shepherd that we would follow you, okay? And then he throws this thing in that says, okay, but you have sheep of another fold. What are you talking about? He's talking about the Gentiles, those who are, are not Jews, those who would come to him and know his voice, that he has sheep of another fold and he's bringing something together called the church that he will be the shepherd of and we will be his sheep. That, that this is... Uh, his invitation uh, to us as Westerners, as those who do not walk the Jewish life, but who have come up under the blood of Jesus as his church. And I love it uh, that, that the gospel, the good news of Jesus' life and death and resurrection and return, it's an incredibly exclusive offer. Last week, uh, Mickey Rapier stood up here and told us that Jesus said, I am the door, the gate. No one gets to the Father but through me. Here in a few weeks, we'll look at Jesus' I am statement where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It is an incredibly exclusive claim because Jesus' claim is I am the only way into right relationship with God. This eternal life, not just in quantity, but in quality, it is through me and through me alone. It is an exclusive claim, yet... It is radically inclusive and in that it is every tribe, every tongue, every nation. You can never get too far from the grace of God that he includes you and me, that his heart as the good shepherd is to bring others who are lost into this one fold called his church. And lastly, Jesus concludes as the good shepherd of, of his authority. 
And he says, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. And no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. For I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. For this command I received from my father. Now, you may not be aware of this, but there's actually a growing popular idea um, in in the non-Christian world that our God and, and the cross of Jesus is a representation of cosmic child abuse. That the, the atonement of Jesus for our sins is a wrathful, angry God who just couldn't take the people that were around him anymore, so he got so mad that he threw his own boy on a cross. And it is a butchering of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is not cosmic child abuse. This is the father and the son in harmony with one another where Jesus says, no one takes my life from me. I have the power and authority to lay it down and not only to lay it down, what does he do next? To bring it up. We have got to reclaim that the gospel is not just the death of Jesus. The atoning sacrifice of Jesus, we love and we celebrate and we should sing. It is a crucial aspect for us as sinners to be covered and imputed his righteousness. However, if the good news of Jesus stays with him dying in a tomb, that is not good news. (laughs) That's not, a, a dead savior is not a dead savior. That's just a revolutionary who died. Our hope is that he resurrected He came back. It's why this next week, as we enter into Holy Week, we look to him and the authority that, yes, you lay down your life for a sinner like me, and you give me hope for renewal and resurrection in the life to come. That our shepherd, the good shepherd, not only lays down his life for sinners, he brings new life that we could experience with him in the age to come. A question that's, that's regularly asked uh, in, in one of our classes called Panorama of the Bible is who has the right to rule? It's a question that comes up throughout the scriptures. And what the good shepherd is saying tonight is, me, I do. And so the Jews, verse 19, these Pharisees heard these words and they were divided again. Many of them said, He is a demon-possessed and raving madman. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. For can a demon open the eyes of the blind, referring to the man back in chapter 9? And there was a uh, watchman knee. He was a Chinese church planter, a teacher of the good news of Jesus um, throughout China in the early 19th century. Saw the world wars, planted churches over there. Amazing work. And one of the things that he taught as he would go around and proclaim the gospel and and, and lead people in the scriptures, he would would say there's really three options when you come to the, the teachings and claims of Jesus. One is that he's a liar. He was just a revolutionary. He was manipulative and he lied to a bunch of people and convinced them. And how you respond to that determines your relationship with Christ. Two, he was just, he was a lunatic. I mean, if someone came in here and started claiming to be God and that they had all these things, he's just a madman, as the Pharisee said. Or three, he's exactly who he says he is. And he did exactly what he said he would do. And he's Lord. And so I'll submit to him and I'll trust him and I'll rest in the fact that he is the king of my life, not me. And as we enter into Holy Week this week, tomorrow being Palm Sunday, where Jesus, to fulfill a prophecy, comes into Jerusalem on a donkey and they lie the palm branches down before him. He says that this is why he's come for the time of judging this world has come when the Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out and I will be lifted up from the earth and draw everyone to myself, indicating how he would die. See, that as we celebrate and enter into Holy Week tomorrow with Palm, we need to recognize, one, that we not only have a good shepherd, we have a king. That the shepherd nurtures and cares for those in his flock. And as a king, he rules and reigns over all. And that he lays down his life for the sheep, not just to lay it down, but to bring it back up. I was reading in, in Revelation chapter 7, um, 
earlier this week and something stuck out to me that in chapter seven and verse 17, it describes Jesus as on the throne as, as the slain lamb. The one who had been slain is the one on the throne ruling. But listen to what it says in 17. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. We have not just a king, but a good shepherd who lovingly leads us not only in this life, but in the life to come. And no other leader can compete or compare. See, within those those other systems of shepherding, the, the family, the civil government, and the church that God has established, the highest rank you get is a hired hand. It's an under shepherd. And you can watch, as you watch the leadership fallouts and failures, whether it's in the family of those who, we have wombs from those because there hasn't been that shepherding, tending care. There's been the avoidance, the failure of nerve, or there's been a failure of heart and we've suffered under the tyranny or continuing to pray for our brothers and sisters in Russia and in Ukraine. And we're watching the the shepherding leadership of government officials. They're still under the good shepherd, the chief shepherd. And that's why I love here at Fellowship. I hope, I hope that every single pastor, small group leader, elder, spiritual leader, holding babies, that we would recognize we fall under a chief shepherd. Our job is not to be influential, but faithful to him. But we have a problem. We're like sheep in need of a shepherd. But we have a promise that Jesus Christ is that good shepherd, the chief shepherd of our souls. And so how should we respond to our good shepherd tonight? I'd love to give us three opportunities to respond to him. One is to claim some truths. I don't know where you are in pasture right now as a sheep. Maybe you're doing life alone. You are in the isolation. The predators are coming and you can feel it and uh, you're barely making it. Maybe you are enjoying this moment and this time with our God and in community with the rest of the flock and it has been so sweet for you. Maybe you're wondering, do I even have a shepherd at all? A few truths for you to claim tonight. One, The good shepherd has come to heal and not to harm. That Jesus continually, you can watch throughout the gospels in his life. He has come to bring life and life to the full, not to steal and kill, destroy. That's a different false shepherd, a wolf amongst the sheep. He has come to heal and restore, to bind up what is broken in us and around us. The good shepherd, he's come to defend you not devour you. And so sometimes the, the Lord can begin to do things in our life that is his discipline and it kind of kind of feel like, why God? He's actually beginning to prune out into lovingly the same way that a shepherd takes care of that sheep. He's taking the things within us that are doing harm to us and others. And he's defending you. Next, he has come to seek and not abandon you. I don't know if it was today yesterday, this past week, where you feel like you walked in sin and just left the presence of the shepherd and you need to hear tonight, he's seeking you out. That he takes the the 99 in open field to go find the lost one, throw it over his shoulder and say, welcome, let's celebrate. I found my lost sheep. He's come to bring you light and the darkness in your life that's causing chaos and in our world, our good shepherd brings light. Come to bring love, not so hatred, but truth and love. And he's come to bring you life, eternal life now and forever. And a question for you to ponder. Will you trust him? Will you follow him? Will you remain, abide with the good shepherd? And there's two people in the room tonight. Many of us probably fall in the first category. 
That there's those of us, we, we have been following. We know, yes, Jesus is my good shepherd, amen. And there's still things within me that, that I just cannot seem to get rid of or to cut over in the addiction, the pornography, the alcohol, on the verge of an affair, the brokenness, the anxiety, the anger issues, whatever the struggle is, the good shepherd is here and ready for you. Say, come on, let's trim up that coat a little bit. Let me nourish you. Will you remain and abide and follow him and to what he has in store for you, not just tomorrow, but tonight. Or maybe you're sitting here and you go, I don't, I don't know if Jesus is my shepherd. This is foreign language. Christ as Lord is new to me. Here's what I would ask you to do. We, we believe in what is called the priesthood of the believer here that every single person that follows Jesus in this room is a Christian. We're called to love God, love neighbor, and make disciples. And I'd love, if you're wondering, I, I, I kind of want to follow the good shepherd. How do I do that? Well, one, we're going to have a prayer team here in a little bit. And they would love to pray with you through that process, stepping into the fold of God. But I'd also encourage you, if that's you tonight, would you just tap someone on the shoulder next to you? and say, hey, I'd actually love to learn more about what it's like to be a sheep in this fold. Can we get a coffee or a meal sometime and talk about it? And lastly, I'd love to corporately pray together, to spend time in Psalm 23 as some sheep with our good shepherd tonight. And we call these times sailors, just a chance for you to slow down, to become aware of God's presence and to receive truth that he's speaking to you tonight. So I invite you, would you posture yourself now, however you need to, spend a few moments in the quiet with our good shepherd. Listen to his voice. Would you pray with me?
Christ is our hope. He's our foundation. So let's sing this. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in we love you and we stand here confidently knowing as we look forward to next week Lord that you are risen and you are God we can call you that but for now Father help us to sit in this moment sit in this tension that we might feel that they might have felt in the back in the day Father Spirit would you be our guide would you help us to keep in step Father as we go pray these things in your name Church, if you need prayer, we'll have some of our prayer team members up front with white badges. We have some uh, our community pastors at the info booth to get connected. So let's say our liturgy as we get ready to go. Let us go in peace to love and serve the Lord. And the people said, thanks be to God. See you next week, church.